How do the best data scientists in the world master their data sets, train their machine learning models, and climb the data science ladder? Let's ask them. My name's Jeremy, and this is the Towards Data Science Podcast. what institution you're coming from, you can get access to the very latest research. We also have to make sure that we're constantly revisiting our foundations and justifying why we're using the methods we are. It's hard not to deploy you. Like, it doesn't matter what field you're in or what is it that you're good at. If you're good at something, if you like something with passion, there is someone who really, really needs you. This is the Towards Data Science Podcast. Welcome to our little patch of internet here once again. My name is Jeremy, and as usual, I'm here with Russell Polari. Hi, guys. And we're part of the team behind the Sharpest Minds Data Science Mentorship Program. Um, and we are very excited. Very excited. To talk to today's guest, who is Jay Fang. So Jay is a data scientist at Nextdoor, but prior to that, he worked in data science and analytics at a company called Jobber. And that was acquired by Monster.com while he was with them. So he's got this cool perspective uh, from the data science trenches of an early stage startup all the way to working in analytics at a much larger company. And that's something that I think not enough people talk about when they, uh, they consider where they want to work. You know, the idea that your company could actually get acquired along the way and then what that might mean for you. So we will talk to him about that. Um, he's also got a really cool story about how he broke into the field that really shows the value of building a personal brand in data science. Um, so we'll be sure to get to that as well, but let's start by welcoming him to the podcast. Jay, thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me. So whenever I talk to people who are trying to break into data science, one of the things I recommend they consider doing is getting into data science from analytics. And that's part of the reason why I think your journey is so interesting is because you've done exactly that. Yeah, it definitely started out from uh, actually university, right? And so... I didn't have a PhD or any kind of background in data science at all. Uh, I came from electrical engineering where I'm in like a lab for six hours a day. It's like with oscilloscopes looking at these uh, curves on the oscilloscope things. And like, it, it just wasn't for me, right? And I think that for most people, you know, you kind of have to decide what you want to do by junior year or like senior year to kind of get on some sort of track. And I think the common theme for a lot of like new grads is you either like what you're doing or you just know that you don't like what you're doing. And for me, that was like the latter in which I knew I did not like standing in like, you know, being in a lab. Uh, no offense to anyone who's pursuing electrical engineering right now, but generally I think um, it wears you down, right? And so I got into data science just from the fact that I didn't like my major and uh, I knew I had to graduate with my major anyway. And so I think data science was kind of like that new shiny field that opened up that seemed like it was a really interesting place to be in. Um, so I started out actually just taking a bunch of Python statistics classes, uh, trying to immerse myself in the field and then uh, I actually did an internship at Cisco Systems in San Jose, where I was an IT engineering intern. And so I kind of like started there. It's like, it's not really related to uh, data science or analytics, but on my first day, I kind of just made it that way, right? You can kind of 
yeah, yeah. go into these like internships and kind of tell your boss like what you want to work on and they'll be like yeah i mean we don't really care what you do like you're an intern for 10 weeks just kind of work on some cool shit and make us look good at the end and so uh that's what i really did right i just like took my time to learn r uh took some time to learn Python, um, did a lot of analytics for like HR within the IT field, and then came out of it with a little bit just like more practice and more information than I had uh, before. I was uh, jumping into senior year where uh, I was looking for a job just within that field in general. What you've just described there is something that a lot of people don't factor in so much to their thinking, whether it's on, on you know internships or in a real job is like you have some kind of power to mold that job like it's not this um it's not always this static thing where you're like i gotta you know deal with the cards i'm dealt um there's there's some wiggle room like less so i guess when you're in a full-time gig but um over longer periods of time you can also kind of migrate things over in that direction what were some of the tricks you used in that internship to kind of move yourself from like an it guy to like more of a data scientist yeah, I think the the best thing about an internship is that they that your manager and your coworkers are really there to just kind of support uh, you learning and providing a lot of value to uh, the company and your own growth. And so, if you want to grow in this space of just like data science analytics that everyone was interested in at that time, I'm sure uh, as they are now, then it's something that they're definitely going to support at that point. And so kind of carved about like four hours of my day to just kind of learn this and go through, you know, online and be paid to actually learn this. And I think, wow, that's like a great opportunity for me. Um, and at the end of the internship, it's just like you have this kind of, you don't really have like the maybe like pedigree kind of like field position name. Like you're, I'm not data science intern, but at the same time, I've got like all that time to actually, you know, call it, you know, uh, kind of data science related things. I can put that I wrote R scripts like, and uh, help optimize some sort of like HR, you know, filing system, right? Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, that's still buzzwords that I can put on my resume. And you can always retroactively change things anyway. Like I think the first month after the internship, I changed, I called it an IT analytics engineering internship. And it's like, no one's fact checking this. Like no one cares, right? You put that on there and then it works, right? So. Um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's like, it worked really well, uh, for me. Um, and I came into my senior year actually really excited. i thinking that I had enough experience to get a data science job. Um, that definitely wasn't correct, but, uh, definitely helped with that kind of, um, skill set building as well. Um, yeah, so I actually, uh, the, the first time I actually, uh, understood like, the kind of lack of preparation for university grads was actually at a career fair senior year. Uh, I talked to a software engineer and, and I saw that they had data science positions. So I, I asked him like, hey, you know, like I'm looking for a data science job. Uh, would you ever consider me? And they're just like, no, looking at your resume, you know, you don't really have a PhD in this regard. Like that's not something that we can actually go through and uh, ask your job on. The PhD defense. Exactly, the PhD defense. And so I felt really offended. So I kept on arguing with them. I was like, but it was like, you know, like this is a really hot field. There's gonna be a lot more positions opening up. Don't you think that 
eventually it's going to get to the point where uh, the skill set won't be so high as to like getting a PhD. And then the guy comes back, he's like, no, it's actually like, think about a pilot, right? Like a pilot still has to get certification. You still have to go through that whole training if you actually want to fly a plane. And like, I was all like, okay, but if you're a data scientist, you don't, you're not in charge of hundreds of people's lives, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> this isn't the exact same scenario, but I think that really highlighted a moment for me in which uh, I feel like the field has kind of gone into a certain direction in which um, back then it was actually, you really did need like a PhD because no one knew what a data scientist was. Fast forward like four years later, I don't think that's the case so far. <laughs> There's a, I think a lot of gatekeeping that um, went on at the time where like, you know, for a while it was like the first data scientists were all physics and math PhDs who, you know, like this was as close as anybody could get to it. And then the, for the next generation, they were like, oh, well, like it's all physics PhDs and math PhDs that are running the show. So of course you need a PhD to do this. And that like that got more and more out of step with reality to, to where now, nowadays there are like companies, it seems that like exclusively look for PhDs and other companies that have a completely different philosophy. And they're like, you know, you don't need any kind of formal training really to, to do this successfully. Yeah, I think the requirements kind of shift as the businesses uh, mature and they understand what they actually need, right? And so um, you do see this kind of area where data science is still not well-defined in that sense of the job, a lot of the time don't, you know, one-to-one -one map to just the word data scientist uh, many times. And so we're seeing like these different kind of positions start popping up, like, you know, product analysts, data analysts, um, you know, machine learning engineers, uh, infrastructure engineers, and all these things are kind of built to kind of create more of a bucketing system that aligns more with uh, what we are like progressing within this industry. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting because I think the opposite effect has also come up where we're seeing a lot more of these data science boot camps. Uh, the coding boot camps back in like 2014, 2015 was kind of like the newest thing where everyone who's entering in them was like coming out making six figures. And now we're getting to also a point where that has been saturated a bit where you realize that, you know, it's not entirely this transformation tank where you can walk in like, <laughs> like some like an accountant and come out like a software engineer, like with magic, right? It's, uh, they realize that they're self-selecting for, you know, some of the best people. And I think, um, yeah, the, the whole field has really changed since then. I don't know if you'd agree with this, but basically the idea that um, as the as the fields become better and better defined, as people have gotten a better idea of what a data scientist actually is, and as you said, as we've subdivided data science into these different categories, like we become more and more focused on what can you do rather than what degrees do you have. It becomes a much more practical question, and so at that point, you know, it's easier to say, I don't care if you have a master's even or a PhD. Can you like deal with this kind of data pipeline? Can you make these kinds of predictions? Yeah, I would agree with that. I'd say that nowadays um, we've definitely moved off of that uh, like qualifier and like and it's basically because of demand, right? Like it's we there's not that many PhD students in the world that are looking for data science jobs, and so when you can't fill this position, you really got to either uh, find a different way to find like the gems or the needle in the haystack or you can just not hire people and so 
I think people are actually adapting and they understand uh, the business value that a lot of these data scientists bring to the table as well. Did you, you mentioned boot camps. Did you do a boot camp? I did not. I actually uh, just graduated and eventually found a job, right? So, yeah, so I actually, I did find a job in data analytics uh, outside of college. It actually came in a really strange way, though, because um, I, you know, after that whole career fair incident, um, that was kind of interesting. It was kind of a downer, but at the same time, it was, didn't kind of stray away from my uh, interest in data science. So I started blogging a lot about data science uh, my senior year of college to the nice. extent where I think almost 90% of my time was just spent blogging about data science and about 10% actually on schoolwork. Um, because at that moment, you can't really change the, uh, the trajectory that you're on in college, which is unfortunate, right? Like if you're a yeah. senior and you want to, you know, switch into a different field there, all the advisors are like, no, like you get out after four years, right? Like yeah. there's no point. Um, and so, for me at that point, I was just, you know, foregoing all my classes uh, to really just focus on what I thought was like the most interesting thing, which was learning data science through uh, just uh, asking questions, scraping data, and honestly, just trying to build models out of things that no one had known about and uh, done before. So I remember like scraping some Craigslist data off Seattle. Uh, made a model to predict rental prices, uh, posted it, and I landed on the top of Hacker News. And that was, started emailing me, um, asking me if I found a job yet. Um, I post, I did a blog post about Seattle crime data, and then that one also hit the top of Hacker News, and that also got uh, all the potential employers coming. And so I think as a new grad, it seems like the easiest way for me to actually uh, get out of, into uh, the data science field is actually just by publicity. Yeah. It was like, it was like marketing. It was like marketing yourself as a product. Like you should be always like selling yourself, right? When you're interviewing for jobs, because you're trying to basically tell them to hire you and pay for you. It's the same thing with, if you're doing like product work, you're trying to do marketing for this. And so all I was doing was just like writing all my data science stuff and actually hoping that it would actually get featured in, uh, it actually did, which was an amazing opportunity for me. And so did that lead to um, <clears throat> a job offer or did that help connect you with uh, with potential employers? Those... Yeah, so it was actually pretty funny because one of the companies that I had originally applied for, uh, it was an internship in Seattle uh, and the company was called Socrata. It's kind of like a data partnership association with the government. So basically they partner with different city governments to release their data to the public, right? And because um, these city governments have mandates, you know, they have like laws that require them to actually release stuff like crime data, um, building permit data. They were basically doing that whole transformation for them and doing it in a digestible way. And so I had originally applied for an internship. I talked to someone at a career fair. They gave me like a coding assignment. I like did it, turned it in, got rejected. Um, so then I was like, oh, that sucks. So then, uh, like a few weeks later, I saw mold across their API for like the Seattle crime data set, right? I don't even know how long, just like writing a blog post, like analyzing the data, trying to predict like urgency level crimes, um, wrote it up, posted it. Uh, the like chief of like technology of the Seattle police like retweeted it. And then someone from the local news saw it and wanted to do a segment. And so, 
they they had this all this this huge news cycle came up and then suddenly i get an email like a week later after being blown up and they're like hey we saw you applied here uh actually we reconsidered do you want to come on site for like an internship interview and i was all like oh wow that's really nice of them like and it was really interesting because i think at that point it's like they don't like I literally, I clearly like failed like the coding challenge, right? And then I go on the on-site interview and they're asking me all these like coding questions because it's generally like a software engineering internship and I'm pretty sure I failed that too. I was like, we just like got stuck on this comprehension for like 30 minutes. I was like, yeah, I can't, I, I, I don't know the correct way of doing this. But um, at the end, it didn't matter. They just like, they saw what I did and like I'd done a bunch of press for them. And like at the end of the interview, the VP of marketing came up to me and was like, so why did you uh, write that post? We just want to know like what's make what's why you're interested in this. And I just said, like I was, I just did it because it's fun, right? And so I think then I got hired and like for an internship for like ten weeks at this company. And so to me, it's more of a fact that uh, that was just me like marking myself. They saw this like kid who just did a coding challenge and didn't pass their standards. But then once they saw that I actually had an interest in it they were completely like 360 and just brought me on board. And so in that regard, I think it's, it's kind of about showcasing your intent for what you want and like what you're trying to do. And for my case, it was data science and blogging. And I think again, to get your voice heard and out there and to show that you're actually really interested in this stuff. A lot of times people just like, don't know why you're doing it either. I just, a bunch of employees were just like, like, we're really interested in like why you're interested in this. And I was just like, it's cool. Like, if, don't you think it's cool? You're in data science too, right? Like, and so. There's a profoundly like irrational side to hiring that I think a lot of people struggle with understanding is that it's a deeply human process. And you have like real human beings who read these applications, unless there's like some uh, resume parsing bot, but for for the most part, it's like this process where yeah, you like a brand matters a lot, and especially in data science, for some reason, we've like all agreed that like yeah, marketing, self marketing, uh, blog posts, that sort of thing makes a big impact. Um, so, like, do you think it's fair to say that those blog posts were really decisive in terms of your ability to to get hired in those cases? I really do think so. I had like. Um... I remember there was another interview I did. I did one for Workday, I think, as a new grad. And uh, it was interesting as well, because I actually came on site for an associate data scientist position. And I thought that was like my like one chance to get like a data science job. Um, I didn't get it, but it was interesting. It was just like, I didn't do, I did like a Glee code, but I did it in Java and like, it's clearly not the right language for the everything. And so I think um, not passing that, but I got another offer from uh, Workday actually for like a different position. And the recruiter first was like, okay, yeah, we need you to come on site. And I was like, oh yeah, uh, I can't really do that. I got like a pending offer in like for like a week later. And then so he goes somewhere else and he comes back. He's like, hey, that's a cool like blog post. Um, and so, yeah, actually we just gave you the offer here. Like, here it is. Like, you can just like, do you want to take it right now? And I was like, uh, <laughs> Like, no, but like what happened in that 20 minutes that you were gone, yeah. in which I now didn't have to fly all the way down to California and interview for like six, you know, for six hours and then fly back. Um, 
to me, it, it just kind of showcased that uh, it really shows that you demonstrate that you have an interest and you also have the ability to actually code and do these things. And um, I think in that regard, that's all they really needed. Uh, so that was probably like the one instance where I really saw it really coming through and actually getting me a job. I, I guess the communication <laughs> side too, you're showing you, you know how to communicate with numbers and with data and all that. Um, so the, the first job that you got was analytics. And I'm guessing from there, did you have your sights set on data science? Like, did you know that that was the direction you wanted to take things from there? Or was it just sort of, you happened to end up in the data science space? Yeah, I initially got a job in analytics um, and knew that I still wanted to do data science and kind of assumed that I could do a lot of it actually at that company. Uh, that didn't really turn out to be the case. Um, and I actually left that company after around like five or six months of my first job, just because I didn't think it was the right fit at that point. Um, but I knew that I wanted to do uh, what my idea like of data science was, which was a lot of this like machine learning, you know, building models, uh, testing, putting them into production sort of thing. Uh, and eventually got a job at this, uh, like a 10 person startup uh, called Jobber. And uh, it was really interesting because I feel like I was hired on as the first data scientist. Um, but as a new grad, that was extremely just uh, intimidating at that point, right? It was, it was really, a strange kind of process. I think they were also needing someone who could actually code and jump in. But I th also think that was like the first time that I learned that data scientist actually means uh, be a data engineer 95% of the time slash work on anything else that's necessary for this company to survive with four other engineers. And then you can like do some data science work on the side if you have time. Uh, and to me, that was really, really interesting uh, because I think that kind of shifted my whole view of data science around from this person that originally just kind of like built models on anything that I thought was cool to then focusing on business needs and like business decisions that were actually priorities. And, and starting off in a smaller company, I mean, this, this is a pretty classic uh, scenario of like working in a small company, you have to be a jack of all trades. Do you like, in retrospect, do you wish that you'd started off with like, um, more supervision, more specialized knowledge base, or do you think that that, that generalist skill set was actually like really helpful in launching your career? Yeah, I would definitely say so. Um, it's hard to have that hindsight for a different future path, but I would I would like to confidently say that I'm in a good position now. Um, but I definitely think that anyone else, like if I were to tell someone else to do it all over again, I would definitely tell them to join a startup just because it forces you to learn in ways that I don't think you can at a bigger company, right? And I think this is something that gets reiterated a ton of times. But for me, especially, it was a thing where um, they can't they can't afford to have you not doing something, right? Like if you're at a hundred person company, even at that point, you can like afford to not do something for a week, and like probably no one will notice. Maybe some will notice and like call you out, but for the most part. Like you could get away with it if you really wanted to. Uh, at ten people with three other three other engineers, it was like second day, deploy this, and then immediately after you deploy it, please start the next like project kind of a thing. Uh, and so that was like just extremely 
uh, I think intimidating and it definitely generates a lot of like imposter syndrome on like, what are you actually doing? Like, are the things that you're doing correct? Um, and so I think for me, it was actually especially helpful to have a mentor uh, that actually helped me along in that regard, who was willing to pair with me and actually show me like everything that I had to do on the engineering side and then kind of push like the different priorities for what I had to do on the data science side. As well. Oh, so you, you did kind of have some oversight, like a mentor who could walk you through through the process a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I think they probably wouldn't have hired me if I just was there on my own. Uh, but given that they uh, had a very like senior kind of like data engineer, uh, data architect on the team, and they realized that we had to do more in terms of building out a recommendation system, um, it was, uh, he definitely helped me through a lot of this stuff in terms of like onboarding into a code base, uh, like using Git even, and uh, <laughs> just deploying things and building APIs at that part. Because so much of the data science at startups is actually doing these, th these things from scratch, which you really take granted uh, when you're just coding on your own and building models and stuff. It's like, you never have to call an external endpoint for your predictions ever. Like you can just run them on your terminal and then just call it a day, write about it, and then you're done, right? And so, um, yeah, to me, that was uh, definitely like a lot of work. It was like, I feel like eight to nine hours of heads down coding a day, which is uh, definitely like an interesting, like kind of workflow, right? I think there w there's no like, there's no water cooler chatter when everyone at the company sits two feet away from you. Like there's just not that much kind of like time for just the nuances of life and work and office space type of banter in that kind of regard. And one of the things I think that's especially interesting about your path is you did end up at, at Jobber that I think Jobber got acquired by monster.com, right? A couple of uh, months or years down the road. Yeah, they got acquired by monster.com about three years ago now, I believe. Uh, so yeah, I was actually there for six months and then we got acquired and it was a really interesting time to be there uh, beforehand and then afterwards uh, towards the acquisition. But uh, definitely all I think a lot of the work in the beginning was towards, you know, making money, making revenue, uh, optimizing our unit economics. And then after the acquisition, it was more so like, how can we build this system for like our parent company at that point. And because both companies were so focused on the job market, then this is what I find really interesting here because it's very meta. Like for people who are looking to break into data science, <laughs> you have an unusually good kind of interesting perspective because not only have you broken into data science, you also have probably seen a lot of interesting data on the inside regarding like how the how the hiring process unfolds. Did you learn anything cool about like I don't know, anything surprising in the data, like when it comes to job boards and, and job applications? Yeah, I mean, I definitely learned a lot about the job industry, right? And I think that uh, the one thing that we found was that there's this huge funnel where everyone's trying to make money off of every single part, right? You have hired that's making money off of just placing people, high-skilled labor, very specialized labor, um, mostly tech focus. And then you had uh, stuff like Jobber, which was basically someone on the bathroom, like on the can, swiping right or left on jobs to apply or not apply to them. And so the difference between, I think, uh, every single step of the funnel where people are trying to make money off of uh, a person who's interested in a job to actually getting hired 
uh, was really interesting, at least for us. Um, because we were at the top of the funnel, right? We saw what jobs people were actually interested in and would apply to, but we never actually saw if they got hired at those companies. So I think the biggest problem for us in data science at Java was just figuring out uh, if the intention of everyone's person of every person's application actually met their qualifications at the end of the time, at the end of the round. And so all we saw was their intent to actually apply to jobs. So what we understood was like everyone wants to be the like the most uh, the most like desired job on our system was actually administrator assistant because it was the easiest job to get into like a desk job. Uh, like in terms of all like the kind of like unskilled labor jobs, like administrative assistant was the easiest job to get where you could actually be like a desk worker versus, you know, something in retail, something in, uh, I don't even know, like warehousing, like this is the first kind of like step that you could actually take. And so every single person wanted that job. And so we'd have this huge skew of just like what we thought was like a super high valuable job. And it was actually just, you know, um, secretary, you know, 30K, like, and it just kind of screwed up our algorithms at that point. <laughs> I am curious on um, when you got acquired by Monster, if like you're going from a, you know, a 10 person company to like a, a giant corporation, did your role become sort of less generalist as after you got acquired? Or were you allowed yeah. to stay sort of on the same team uh, independent? I would say that uh, we definitely got to stay on the same team and be pretty independent and work on a lot of the things that were interesting to us, which was also a very good benefit um, of when you get acquired and you get to stay independent. Um, the parent company kind of has to like figure out ways to integrate you. And first, I think it's mostly taking your product and like continuing it, building it out, you know, expanding it to different regions. and. Uh, I mostly stayed in that kind of generalist role for probably like a year afterwards before eventually transitioning into more of a analytics role at that time, just because we had kind of exhausted a lot of the features that we were going to build within our product on the data side. Uh, it was like pretty much a well-oiled machine at that point. Um, and so I switched more into focusing on like the larger scale within the relationship of monster uh, and like optimizing our marketing analytics, um, optimizing our products, like kind of unit economics within Monster itself, uh, and trying to figure out how we could roll business um, between Monster and Jobber. It's, it's kind of an interesting dynamic too, because I guess all the relationships change and your role within the company changes. Did you, like, was there um, a, a ceiling on your opportunity in that context? Like, once you guys were acquired, was it like, okay, I, you know, I can only, like, I can't transition to, like, a, a say, management role uh, because it's a team of 10, but I, my next move would be to move within Monster, and if I move within Monster, then I'm at sort of entry level there. Is that, was that part of the dynamic, or? Yeah, I would say that it was, it was more focused on being part of like the core team. And I think uh, we were kind of focused on staying within uh, our own team, given the fact that I think there was a lot of different things going on at Monster at the time as well. We found out that actually probably like six months after we got acquired, Monster got acquired by even bigger fish, which was Randstad, which is the staffing firm, as you know, right? And so um, it was it was really interesting given the fact that we were now like, 
a little fish being eaten by like a bigger fish that just got eaten by a shark. Uh, and so, uh, it was kind of a like place where now we just kind of didn't know what was happening for like six months. So all we did was just work on our core product and then eventually try to figure out how we were going to fit in with the larger org about like a year later. So I would say that acquisitions are really interesting things. Um, and the fact that they definitely change uh, dynamics of companies. And they also, when you have two acquisitions, that changes like the whole, it kind of twists everything around like again and again, which is uh, something that, you know, I never experienced, but I was like pretty happy to uh, go through and kind of watch everything unfold. <laughs> and nowadays, so you're working at Nextdoor and is that, that's where you landed after working at a job right after your time there? Yeah. Yeah, so I got the job at Nextdoor after uh, working at Jobber, and it was um, Nextdoor is actually doing like very well. I'd say I think we're on like the point of kind of like hyper local expansion, and the job is I think more kind of focused within analytics than actual um, kind of more of the data science machine learning side. And so here it's like I'm working directly with the product manager amongst the specific vertical of the company, right? So it's like each data scientist is basically then assigned to a specific product group and has to do everything that they can in their power to kind of optimize the uh, metrics of that product group itself to grow the business. And so you're, I assume, in a pretty intimate relationship with the product managers as you do that, right? Because you, you kind of have to help them guide like which metrics to track, um, how to convert the raw data into like I don't know, actionable metrics that the team can can rally around? Is that fair to say? Yeah, I would say that you're basically the data spokesperson of that kind of org, right? And so if someone has a question about um, how well like a feature launch is doing or um, what metrics they should track for uh, like this new feature launch as well, you're kind of the person that has to do all the work in terms of creating that framework and uh, analyzing that those results to basically influence the next product decision. And so when it comes to a lot of this data side, uh, kind of product analysts, product analytics work, I would say that the biggest strengths are then kind of shifted a bit, right? It's like, you still have to code, you still have to write uh, a lot of SQL, a lot of Python, but a lot of the times it's more about uh, extending your influence at the company demonstrating that you can communicate the insights that you've garnered to actually influence the right people into making the right decisions and making sure that uh, they understand like the product as well as you do when you're like in the data at that point. And what about the tooling? Cause like, so you've been, you've been in data science, like since really the tail end of the, um, the wild west phase where everything was up in the air. Now you're, you're working in, you've, you've worked in a series of well-oiled machines as well. Like, how is how have the tools evolved over time? The tools that you use on a day to day basis. Yeah, uh, that's pretty interesting, actually. I haven't thought too much about it. I would say that the I think SK Learn and all those general machine learning packages have, in my mind, almost stayed the same since I started. Because I started in this point where. You, uh, I think was the beginning of where those things are becoming popularized into the fact that uh, I could, you know, run a random forest algorithm without actually knowing the inner workings of it. 
I think if you go back maybe five to 10 years before that, uh, there'd be a lot of things that you'd have to build from scratch. Uh, and so now what I see is like, I think throughout in the past few years, it's now it's like the deep learning things are becoming now encapsulated in these uh, functions in which you can basically call something like Facebook's fast text. And I'll give you a word vector with like hundreds of different dimensions <laughs> that you can't even think about, but still encapsulated into like uh, a machine learning like algorithm that takes three lines to run. And I think that was kind of like the new step for me at least in terms of like upgrading my toolkit. Uh, and I don't think I'm like, my sort of data science knowledge is ever gonna permeate into anything flow towards deep learning, towards understanding the inner workings and building these models. But I don't see that as being a problem because of the way that the industry is you know, slowly encapsulating all these ideas and making it easier for the person to actually, you know, run these algorithms without having to know the like the insides, but understanding how it actually works and being able to apply it to solving, you know, business problems and business needs. And I think that's where you're seeing a lot of these decisions grow, like in data science. That, that's really interesting because it's a theme we, we keep hearing more and more of again and again. And, and it's really becoming clear that that data science is becoming more of a product and business role than like a kind of number wrangling algorithm um, algorithm selection type role, especially with like things like AutoML, I guess, that are, are going to be playing into this too and, and stuff like that. Um, okay, and how do you see the, the, the role evolving over time? Like you mentioned, you know, you're, you're focusing more on the, the business side of things. Do you foresee a future where like you're essentially like a, a very business savvy like product manager. Is that something that, that you see data analytics evolving into? I can actually, I can definitely see that. I, I haven't seen data product manager that much. And I remember actually uh, in my last kind of like round of interviews back when I was looking for a company after Jobber, I had interviewed for a role like that. But uh, I do see like a lot of this being in which either the product managers of the future have to be extremely data savvy or the data scientists of the future have to, I think, just know a lot more about um, specific like product needs, business needs, and then be able to pull the analytics from it as well. And so I think there's there's these different kind of segments, right? There's like the more technical segments of the machine learning engineers is the kind of model building data scientists that I'm not sure they're going to be as popular in the future just because you're seeing like the rise of Microsoft Azure and like AWS and Google Cloud where you can basically throw data into it and pick some features and they'll just like, you know, they'll hyperparameter tune the shit out of it, right? Until like you get this super um, well-oiled like algorithm with like GPUs running behind it. And so I, I do see more of the growing role is just this uh, hybrid where uh, your ability to basically communicate and understand how to solve business problems with data. And I think that's where you're seeing a lot of these growing roles uh, with data science. And that's why you don't see it being such like a heads down kind of task of, you know, the whole stereotypical like quant, like with it like face right next to computer screen that like the traders can't like communicate with. I think that might be uh, either going away or just definitely more like segmented like into a different industry or different field. Well, yeah, like you said, like I, there, there's a, almost a fork in the path here where 
Um, yeah, the, the business side is is one thing that's becoming clearer and clearer where exactly what you're describing, like this route of becoming product manager, data-savvy data product manager, or product-savvy data scientist. And then the flip side, the deeply technical stuff, um, like one thing that, that I, at least I think I see is as well a focus on engineering and implementation becoming more and more important where it's almost like data scientists are now on that end of things, at least, or machine learning engineers are becoming like software engineers who are data savvy rather than mm -hmm. like data scientists who implement things. Um, it's almost like we're, we're going to end up with like no more data scientists at all, and and it just ends up merging into two different two different job categories. Maybe I don't know. Is that something that you see happening? Yeah, actually, I think that is probably the direction it goes. Um, and it also kind of depends on like what how big your company is too, right? Like I think. Uh, for me at Jobber, it was like we had to encapsulate both of those roles, right? You had to run the analytics to understand which models to build uh, and which I think if you're at something like Google or Facebook, then they have specific people to run the analytics to inform the company. And then that company, like through eventual like product management and Jira tickets, eventually gets that into like the software engineering space where now they're implementing like the models in that realm. And so... I definitely see that happening. I think it just depends on company size and um, maybe almost priorities and uh, generally what the problems are. Cool. And I guess to, to wrap up on a, a question that's sort of more personal to you, what are the, the areas that you're focusing on, your like personal skills development, your professional development? What are the things that you're trying to learn these days? Yeah, I would say that for me, I'm trying to learn, I think, a lot of the analytics side, but also more of the maybe entrepreneurship side. Uh, and so I think for me, it's like I'm working on a uh, kind of like a data science interview uh, kind of startup as well, just like on, as a side project. It's, it's called Interview Query. Uh, and basically, we're trying to help data scientists get jobs, right? And so for me, it's like building that out has been really interesting because because it's like, Okay, now I have to build the database. Okay, now I have to spin up something on AWS. I have to look at analytics to see, you know, when are, when are people unsubscribing? When are people like buying premium? When are people, you know, converting like in the funnel? Like to me, that's really interesting. That's like something that I kind of got a taste of at Jobber. I really enjoyed it. Um, and it's something that I think you can apply a lot of data science skill set to entrepreneurship as well, just because of the fact that no one thinks about analytics, but analytics is like this huge thing that sometimes makes or breaks companies like in this space. So it's uh, all right. Yeah, well, that's awesome. And, and by the way, um, I'm like 90% sure that I've been pointing my my sharpest minds mentees to uh, your website. Uh, you guys do the you guys send out emails, right? Like every couple of days. We do, yeah. Yeah, I've been getting those emails, yeah. and they're great. Um, I actually highly recommend this. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So if, if anybody's <laughs> if anybody's listening to this and you're looking to break in, um, this is sorry. Can you give the the uh, website again? Yeah, it's called interviewquery.com. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe what I'll do is I'll I'll add this to the blog post that we publish along with this because I just checked out the website. This is so I had a mentee come to me and, and say, hey, this has been super useful for me. Um, so, so I've been recommending it to, to all my other mentees. This is actually great. It's very, it's really funny. Um, so awesome. That's great. No, <laughs> that's great to hear. We actually, I don't, I don't think I've gone that like second order of communication feedback yet. It's always just been me like pounding, like pounding people like, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? So to hear that kind of like, 
um, second primary source is actually really great. Awesome. So thanks, Jeremy. Oh yeah, no, no, no problem. I mean, really, I, it's genuinely useful, and I've actually been learning from the the questions myself too. Well, thanks so much for for making the time. It was a great chat. We'll you know write this up obviously for anybody listening um, as usual as a blog post too, so you'll be able to get access to interviewquery.com. We'll make sure we include that that website. Um, any any Twitter links or anything like that that you want to plug, Jay? Uh, I do have Twitter, but I don't have a lot of followers, so it almost might be embarrassing. But it's at racketracer dot at racketracer. That's it. Um, just if you can find that, yeah, definitely follow me. I tweet about like once a month, so I uh, I got to get in that space. I don't really get understand how people like get into Twitter. Uh, maybe you guys can give me some tips on that later. <laughs> Getting into it is easy. Quitting is hard. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's what I've heard actually. That's do you still point. have a um a blog, a regular blog that people? Can I do have, have a regular blog. It is at racketracer.com. Uh, I update it semi frequently now. Um, I would say that between the interviewquery.com blog and the uh, my personal blog, probably write something you know like once a month. Uh, so definitely, yeah, please follow me. That'd be great. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much for for making the time and uh, have a have a great rest of the day. Yeah. You too.